and welcome to The Professional Podcast, a podcast created by a community of leaders who are connecting and preparing for a future in the public relations and communication fields. Today, we'll be speaking with Heather Wilson-Hooker and Lindsay Carnett from marketing firm Marketing Maven to discuss their career journeys and their advice for college students trying to get a job at a firm. This episode is sponsored by California Lutheran University and is produced by the executive team of PRSSA at Cal Lutheran. So today we have Heather Wilson-Hooker and Lindsay Carnett from Marketing Maven, um, and we're so grateful for you guys to take the time and talk with us today. Um, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Lindsay Carnett, and I'm the CEO and president of Marketing Maven. I'm Heather Wilson-Hooker. I'm an account executive for Marketing Maven. Awesome. So um, if you guys just kind of want to talk about how you got to where you are today, kind of that process from graduating college to the current role that you're in. Um, yeah. Well, I graduated from CLU in 2005. Um, I played soccer there for four years and um, I was a double major in communications with an emphasis in advertising and public relations. And I also had a major in Spanish. So um, I had an internship in college that uh, led me to a PR agency. And I essentially wound up creating my full-time job for myself when I got out of college. So I think I had a day break between my graduation and the first full-time job for myself. Um, I also had three jobs when I was in college. Um, I was a communications departmental assistant, a Spanish departmental assistant, and worked at this PR agency. So um, I knew that I liked PR because I got a Wall Street Journal placement uh, while I was in the language lab. And I thought, wow, I could multitask and, you know, this is a lot of fun. So um, that's when I was doing the PR job. And then I got hired as a marketing director for a Scandinavian nutraceutical company, left there, went to a, a very large advertising agency in LA and uh, hated the commute. And um, my husband had encouraged me to start my own business and I did it at 26 years old and um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I did it right uh, after the recession, right during the recession. So there was only one way to go and that was up. And uh, now we're in a pandemic, which is uh, kind of cool because it's the second major event in this world uh, with financial crises. Uh, so I feel like I have my seatbelt on and I know what to do a little bit better this time. So uh, that was 11 years ago. We've been in business for uh, 12 years this October. Yeah. Um, so I went to Cal Lutheran. I'm also a Calu alum. Um, during my time at Calu, personally, I was a marketing communications major with a legal studies minor. Um, particularly, like, the reason I did that was because I wanted to do more like press secretary work. I was really interested in like nonprofit and government. And um, it's really sad, but the, the the TV show West Wing, that's where I like decided, I was like, oh, I like PR. Um, and it was just because of like a fictional character on a TV show, but it was the thing that made me like ask myself like, okay, what is this? Like, what, what does this mean? Um, and so that's where I was kind of looking at a lot of my classes. 
was after that. And so that's really my focus for like second semester sophomore um, on throughout my education. Um, and I worked really hard at like all the internships I had. I also worked really hard on campus to make sure that like any type of skill that I could get, whether it was like uh, doing things on Canva for like student government or um, just learning how to like utilize and schedule posts on Instagram so that I could just be able to put my hands in like multiple different areas. Um, One of the things that I learned kind of near my junior year when I was asking other people about kind of what they did as they got into this field was you need agency experience. And I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. I was just like, oh, I need agency experience. Um, So when I started looking for jobs to apply, I kind of learned more about what an agency was and how fast paced it is and multitasking, all the things that Lindsay was talking about, how you kind of have your hands in multiple different areas. Um, So I did a a internship at a, a small PR agency um, in the Santa Monica Mountains. And that's where I learned how to do a press release, how to look at like what media contacts are, like a database and how you might phone call them or email them or, or, or what a pitch really is. Uh, and then as I was graduating, I was looking at various amounts of different opportunities um, and Marketing Maven was one that popped up. And particularly what I really liked when I was looking at Marketing Maven post-college was the fact that I saw like during my interview, the fact that I had the opportunity to do exactly what everyone was telling me about agency, which was to get my hands in so many different areas of categories and really experience everything I possibly can. Um, Because that's what is essentially like when you're young and you're, you're able to learn so much versus like if I was 45 and I was like, okay, you have 12 accounts and you need to do five different areas of learning. I don't think I'd be so acceptable to doing it. Whereas when I'm young, I'm like, yeah, this is so great. I get so many opportunities, um, which you should still have like for the rest of your career. Um, but it is something that I was really excited about post-college and Definitely for Marketing Maven, and I would say for a lot of other agencies as well, is you will get that experience. And that's why, you know, definitely if you are in the PR field, like they say agency experience is so necessary for you. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of going off of that, um, what is something that you did that you feel um, feel like was like helpful to you um, in preparing you for your career? Um, either of you, if you want to answer that. I mean, I think soccer was uh, beneficial for my career. I use a ton of soccer analogies, um, but I think just you win a few, you lose a few, and you just have to like have tough skin and go out and do it again. You get a lot of no's from media. Um, Not everybody gives you a very nice no. Some people give very mean no's, um, but that's something that you just have to like put on your work boots and go and have tough skin and do a good pitch and um, you'll find out really quickly, well, how did that sit with this person? Cause they'll tell you. So um, that's something that I learned really quickly, like from my, one of my mentors was, you know, have tough skin and uh, don't take anything personally and just keep at it because then you'll prevail. So I've taken that to heart and it's really served me well in my career. 
Awesome. Yeah. So kind of talking about like internships, um, do you guys have a specific hiring process for your interns and like what experience and skills do you really look out for um, for your interns? Um, I can speak to the process. Uh, so we recently kind of reno- like renovated our program a little bit. So one of the things that we really focus on is giving you kind of like one mentor in your area or giving you multiple, like someone that you're going to talk to every day that you come into your internship, essentially. So this, um, when we're looking at interns, when we're going through an interview process, we're really trying to make sure that if you are matching with someone, like, for example, you want PR, like we want to make sure that like you have a growing and lasting relationship with one of our AEs. So that initial kind of interview is more based on, you know, uh, what what skills do you already know? So like, can can you write a press release? If, if you don't know how to write a press release, can you like write a paper essentially? Can you like look at research and know how to put it in like a non-opinion form? Um, or if you're doing like social media, for example, if we were saying like, okay, have, have you been on the back end of Facebook before? No. Okay. Do you know what an an ad is versus organic? Like, could you explain what that looks like? Um, so that's what that first interview basically is. It's just to get a feel for where you are in your process, kind of what, what, what are you also willing to like really get excited to learn too? A lot of times we have people who are like, oh, I'm a a comm student and I I'm thinking about emphasizing in PR. Okay. So if you want to do PR, here's some of the tasks that you'd be doing. Does this excite you? And you're like, yes or no. If you say no, then we'll start asking you other questions about other areas of the agency. It doesn't necessarily mean that like you're not available for that internship. Um, And then the second interview is really that more one-on-one time with the team because we are um, a small agency, that connectiveness of collaboration and teamwork is so important. And with that mentor, we want to make sure that you're, you know, getting good, valuable content out of your mentor on a daily basis that you're coming in. So that's kind of where that second interview comes in. Uh, And then the third process, if we haven't already received, like the third step of the process is like, if you haven't already received um, like a writing sample or any artwork or things like that, that's kind of what we'll follow up with. Um, Sometimes if we want kind of like a reference, if you said like you did graphic design work before and you give us some of your work, we might be like, oh, like, you know, how did you, how did you, how did you give a brief for this, this graphic design work? If we gave like a brief, how would this look like? Or, um, you know, if we gave them like tasks, how do you check in with them? That's like as an, as need basis. Um, but typically we'll want to get sampled work as you're applying. Uh, and that's just kind of like in general, what we're looking for, someone who's excited about what they want to do and like willing to put in work and collaborate more than anything. I think nowadays with us being remote and kind of being secular, you're like, oh, I'll just get my task and then I'll do them and then I'll check out. And we're like, no, that's not what we want to set up. We want to be able for you to like chat and talk and learn. Um, And so that's kind of like one of the main things I know that we're looking for. Awesome. And then um, kind of switching gears here, what does a typical day look like um, in each of your roles for you guys? <laughs> well, my day it has a lot of variety. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have a typical day. <laughs> no. And that's what I love about it. I mean, 
I, I like variety in my life and the pandemic has like caused me to be in one space. I was the person who was flying over a hundred thousand miles a year, like everywhere internationally across the, across the nation. I mean, now it's like a big deal if I cross county lines. So this is a, um, a very different world for me right now. So um, usually like, okay, well, what city are you in and what country are you in and what state are you in? Um, but lately it's, you know, what clients are you working on and what industries are you working on? So I've still been able to get a lot of variety in my role. Um, being the CEO and president, I wear a lot of hats. So I am looking operationally, how are things going? How are our processes? I'm looking at planning, you know, what does the future look like and working with our management team on mission, vision, values, and planning on what are emerging markets that we want to tap into and um, doing a lot of research on that end. I read a lot of articles too. Um, my mornings start out very, very early and they are typically reading articles about different industries where our clients are in. So we have a lot of clients in the health industry. So I'm reading those articles. We have clients in the business, in B2B sector, in different industries, cybersecurity. So I'm reading, 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 consuming information to see what are the stories and what things could we capitalize on. I also get a lot of inquiries from media um, or like people who represent different influencers. So I'm essentially like distributing those out to the appropriate members of our team. So Heather gets emails from me every morning when she wakes up, like, here's this one from Lindsay from five o'clock at night, from nine o'clock at night, from midnight, from 2 a.m., from 5 a.m., and from 7 a.m., and here are four from 9 a.m. So that's pretty typical, I think Heather might say. Um, but I, I'm always, my mind's always firing unless I'm just asleep and then I'm just like passed out. So, um, that's kind of how I operate. Um, and I think there were some questions initially like, okay, well, when Lindsay sends us these emails, like, are we expected to respond to her? And the answer is no, but immediately when I send it, it like disappears from my brain. So it's like me checking the box. So it, it, it's uh, like I have I'm the idea person. I'm the idea monkey, like they like to say. So I I um, come up with ideas. I think of creative pitches and creative ways to approach different marketing challenges. And that's really what I have fun doing. And I join some client calls and I like uh, joining our new business calls and I'll have, um, discussions with prospects about, you know, they say, this is my problem. And I'm almost like a marketing psychologist, like, all right, well, you know, tell me about your problem and how do you feel about this part or that part? And then I can help construct a strategy and one that works for the company. So, and then I get to share it with our team and then we get to roll it out. And, um, like Heather said, she's, handling a lot of accounts. So she's like juggling all the balls that I throw in the air. And it's always like, here, now juggle these knives, now juggle these bowling pins. So I think that would probably be the best analogy between uh, Heather and me. Yeah, just kind of going off of like the travel part, 
I didn't realize PR had so much travel when I was in college because when I did my first internship, um, my like the CEO of that company, like she was like, oh, I'm going out of town for two weeks. And I was like, oh, okay, like it must be vacation. And she's like, oh, well, one week's vacation, but the other week I'll just be handling new business calls. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm going to Russia. And like that concept to me just like blew my mind because I was just like, I, that is a lot to just be like, oh, I'll just spend a week taking new business calls like in Russia or in Europe in general. But um, before pandemic, I know even with Lindsay, like we would have a conference. Um, I was really lucky. Like the first year I was hired, um, I actually got to go to CES, which is like the biggest like tech conference in Las Vegas. Um, and I was like so lucky to be a part of it. I was like very excited. Um, but even while we were there, she was like, oh yeah, like see if you can talk to anyone, like do your lunches and stuff like that. And to me, I was just like, I didn't realize it was so much of like what we had to do on a daily basis. Um, but it's not, it's not like a bad thing. I actually really enjoy it, but it just was a concept that I was not prepared for. <laughs> um, but besides that, like on a daily basis, right. I will, I'll typically like wake up, I'll, I'll wake up early and I like do my coffee and all that stuff and I'll see the emails. So I decide like I'll read through them and then I'm like, okay, which ones am I going to address first thing at 8am? Cause there's probably like 12 sitting in my inbox first thing. Uh, and then I'll go through that. I'll typically do a good, depending on like client level, my morning will typically be media pitching. Um, a lot of times in the earlier time of the week, cause that's when I'm trying to get a hold of journalists. Uh, I find a lot of times with like journalists, unless it's local, if it's like a Friday, like they're not interested in reading your email. Um, so I'll try to do as much media pitching as I can in that first morning area. Um, and then I'll go through my day and then, Mid-afternoon is when I start hitting like all my juggles um, that Lindsay was referring to. I'm like, okay, there's this project that needs this and that, that needs that. Oh, I have a call for this. Let me hit that client call. Um, and then by the end of the day, I'm just kind of wrapping up, making sure I hit all of my tasks and setting myself up for whatever I need for the, for the next two days, essentially. I try to um, be a lot better about not planning for materials that need to be sent the day before. Um, something I've learned from Lindsay because she was like, we don't all have time to read this at 8 p.m. Uh, so that's something that I'm trying to make more of a habit of doing it like two days in advance. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the only other thing is like the client calls um, with an agency. And in terms of like PR, something I learned really important is that client relations, like really building that relationship. So if someone sends an email while you're doing media pitching, like you need to be able to respond in a timely manner. Beforehand, I always was like, oh, I'll just get to that like by the end of the day. And it's like, oh, well, if they're asking questions and it's something that can change your pitch, like you need to answer it now. Um, so that would just be like the little nuances throughout the day as well. Yeah. And so kind of going along with that, what would you guys consider the best and worst parts of your job or just like working in PR in general? <laughs> I mean, it never really stops. It's kind of, it's kind of like doing your laundry, like just when you have a nice clean load and everything is like hanging up in the closet and you're like, oh yes, my laundry's done. It smells so fresh. It's like, 
oh, the dog threw up on the floor over here and they threw up all over your shoes. And now you need to clean up your shoes and clean up the dog puke. Um, I mean, I don't know why I just thought of that analogy, but um, (laughs) it it is like that's crisis communication. And like now you have to take your dog to the vet. Now you have to figure out what are you doing with your shoes? And well, nobody's going to clean them for you. And then like you have to clean your shoes or, you know, so so that's the situation. And then what do you learn from it? Crisis management. What did the dog eat? Something on the counter. And now where do you need to put that next time? You need to put it away in the refrigerator first so the dog doesn't eat it. So they don't puke on your shoes after you have all of your laundry just done perfectly. So that um, is, is the tough part, but it's also the fun part too. Like I, I love getting a phone call and they're like, help. We have this uh, major crisis issue. And then you're like the ambulance and you're like, yes, I'll get you to the hospital. And I'll, you know, I, 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 my, my mom showed me this thing when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be a nurse and I wanted to be a mom. Well, now I'm a mom and I never want to be a nurse um, for a lot of different reasons, but I'm freaked out of blood. I'm freaked out of all that stuff. So anything medical, like that's why I am in this industry, but we do learn about a lot of medical stuff, which is great because we do healthcare PR, like we help promote the people that are on the front lines. So like in that capacity, I guess I am triaging things um, very well. And I didn't realize how much you need to triage things in PR because um, especially with email these days too, um, people can misinterpret your email, misinterpret what you meant. Um, you, we just have to be like ultra clear planning ahead, like Heather said, two days ahead, you know, we're looking at this and we know what our strategy is and everything needs to follow the strategy. So, I mean, I never really realized in college, what the heck is the point of the thesis paper? Like, yes, you have your main thing, but if you are so focused on a thesis, why doesn't somebody just read the thesis and then you're done with the paper? That's why they made cliff notes back in the day. So like, that is essentially how our campaign strategies are. Like, these are the key theses. These are, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And so the, the other part of it is things have to be on strategy because like I said, I'm the idea person and I'm like, Ooh, I have one over here. Ooh, I have one over here. Ooh, I have one over here. And so I have to cull that down into the ones that just focus on the thesis, which is the goal of the client. So I guess I have a lot of analogies for you guys. And a lot of things are different. I mean, PR is like, the meme where it says, here's what my mom thinks I do. Here's what my friend thinks I do. Here's what I think I do. Here's what I really do. And it's a ton of emails and it's a ton of phone calls. It's a ton of, um, it's, it's a lot all the time. So you have to be a really great juggler at which Heather is, um, and have a lot of other skills. So a lot of soft skills. Yeah. I would say my favorite thing about PR is definitely getting like that media placement. Like Lindsay mentioned, like in the beginning, like when she first started, she was like, oh, I got a placement in Wall Street Journal. Like those things you're never going to forget. Those are the most exciting things. Or like even if you created like a video and it was, you know, just on your um, like your own agency's uh, position, like on your agency's website. Like, for example, um, I wanted to do a creative blog, putting Emily in Paris and talking about the marketing strategies that were from Emily in Paris. I'm so proud of that work, like putting that all together. And that's like the benefit of doing PR and agencies is like getting to see the work materialized. 
Um, and I would say the least favorite kind of what Lindsay was saying, like it's never ending. Um, but for me, it's more of like, it's so hard to turn your mind off. So like nowadays, because we do a lot of influencer marketing, I'll be scrolling, like just going through IG reels. And I have to take screenshots of people's profiles. Cause I'm like, Oh, that would be a great influencer to reach out to for this product. Or, Oh, that would be a really creative pitch idea that I heard from KTLA five. Like I should think about how that connects to this client. Like once you really get into it, it's not a bad thing, but it's just like, it's something that's always going in your mind, but that's what makes you a better like professional in the PR area is that you're not sitting there saying like, Oh, that's really cool. You sit there and say, Oh, that's cool. That would work with this. How do I make that happen? Yeah. And then, um, what is like a part of your job that, most people wouldn't know that you do or that you have to do. Well, I was our first janitor. I will have to tell you now we have real janitors, which I'm well, custodial technicians is the appropriate term. Um, But yes, I was our first janitor and you know, it's, it's a schlep. Like you have to do everything that everybody else does. Like, you know, and I, I think, I mean, what you wouldn't imagine is, you know, we're the ones that, you know, I, I've had somebody spit gum in my hand before when somebody's on the red carpet, you know, you're kind of like the mom. I've traveled with celebrities that like leave their hat on a bus or leave their shirt on the bus. And you're like, hello, um, you left your shirt um, or, you know, negotiate uh, what what time somebody's going to show up to, to leave the next morning or make sure that somebody is awake in the morning for an interview. Um, so we are kind of babysitters in that, uh, regard, which, you know, I guess has prepared me for motherhood. Um, but you know, I, I, that's why a lot of times we'll work with brands and we'll work with B2B space and we're not representing people as much as we'll represent brands. Um, because I did a lot of red carpet stuff at the beginning of my career. And while, you know, I love blisters on my feet and hearing the rumble of my stomach, um, while we are not fed, um, you know, it really, is it good for a few years? And then you're like, okay, I've, you know, met this person, met this person, met this person. And, you know, gotten pictures on this red carpet and gotten this person, this exposure and did this big press event. And now, you know, we can deal with more stable companies and strategies and, you know, have an impact that way. So I guess that's just kind of mirrored my own maturity. I would like to say, um, assuming that I'm a mature 38 year old. Um, but, um, I, I just didn't expect I'd be like, okay, spit out your gum, you know, that you're, the camera's coming, you know, so they don't teach you that in college. Yeah. Same thing. I, not to the degree of Lindsay, um, at all, but I would say kind of similarly, like if you are interested in broadcast media, like at all, you have to be prepared for that, like 3am call time. And, um, it reminds me of like a scene from like devil's wear Prada where like, um, Anne Hathaway is like, Oh, I have to get Miranda here. She has this Vogue interview. Like it really is that way though, because someone will sit there and be like, Oh, that sounds great. I want to be on this TV show and do this interview. But then you have to put in all the work for them to do it just because they 
they want it to happen uh, doesn't mean that they'll like work really hard to get it. Like there are definitely clients and brands that are like, oh yeah, I want that. But then you have to literally carry them into the room that it needs to happen for. Um, and I don't think it's, it's something that we think about, like, right. Like PR people are usually moms are usually ones that are like very directive. They're all good. But even my first broadcast, like I was like, Oh, well they're, they're the station. Like they know what the segment looks like. And then the first time I got on the floor, they were like, where's this, where's that, where's this, what are we doing? What is the story here? And I was like, I emailed this to you. And they're like, what, what, what are my camera angles? And I was like, okay. Uh, so you have to actually be that person to like write it all out essentially like in person and totally do it all at once. Yeah. And then, um, so kind of switching gears again, um, how do you guys lead a team to be successful or how do you lead your, um, interns to be successful, um, throughout their internship? Um, Heather, do you want to start with the interns? Sure. Um, I would say in terms of like successful interns, it really is that mentorship. I feel like that really helps them a lot be super successful, um, mainly because then you are getting um a lot of like hands-on experience and one-on-one time with someone that you are getting to do a lot of work on. Uh, the other thing that I would say in terms of marketing Maven, what they do to really make sure that interns are successful. I mean, Lindsay says that like all the time during any interview, you're never going to be like the one to do like go get a coffee or even to like, I, I remember my internship, um, for it was like before the PR one, I had another internship and I did a lot of like really good, meaningful work. I really appreciated it. But then, you know, some weeks I would have like four hours where I was just digitalizing files and then shredding them. Like that's helpful, but it's really a lot of busy work. Um, and with marketing, even like we make sure like you're busy work. It's not busy work. Like if you're doing research, it's because we're going to take that research and make it into something and you'll get to see that creation. It might feel like tedious work, but it really is something that you can say, you know, post internship, any job or career, um, you want to have a mentor that is willing to talk on your behalf and give you praises. Um, if you do really well in the internship, which most everyone does. Um, and then you'll have sample of works of like, you're like, yes, I did do these media pitches. Yes, I did do this research and this is how it contribute contributed to the strategy. Um, and so I think that sets you up a lot better just in terms of college work because you get to see what really happens on a day-to-day basis and then also post-college for any job applications. Yeah, on the um, just marketing maven team-wise, um, that's just it. We're a team. So I told you I do a lot of soccer analogies. Soccer prepared me very well for this career. And um, I'm used to playing team sports. So, you know, everybody's in it together. We all win or we all lose. And um, I really, really have people's backs. So um, something that we say here is that if you're comfortable, you're not growing. So I like a certain level of uncomfortability for everybody. Um, Heather will tell you that as well. Um, So I, I... I don't want just people to get complacent because it means that we're not growing. And that's why one of our core values at Marketing Maven is having a growth mindset that we are lifelong learners. And I want people to make mistakes. I don't want them to make them repeating uh, repetitively, but um, I want people to learn from their mistakes and say, 
hey, I made this error and here's what I learned from it. And then educate everybody that is our mindshare core value that we are sharing with each other. Like, hey, I hit this roadblock or, hey, I found this out and I want everybody to know about it. So then you don't do it. So um, so that is my approach uh, to leadership is a team approach. Um, and I think a lot of our clients have given us a lot of great feedback on, you know, this is what I thought the team approach would be is maybe certain people wouldn't take accountability or maybe it would be too many contacts or maybe it would be this or maybe it would be that. So, you know, if it's kind of like what goes off in your brain when somebody says, oh, it's a group project, you're like, oh, great. I'm going to be doing all the work. These people are going to just get a free ride and, you know, we're going to get a B grade when I could go get an A myself. So that might be what you think about when you think of group project. But this team approach is that, you know, everybody wants to have the same goal and everybody wants to get there together. And um, we're educating each other all the time. And um, social media is changing all the time. PR is changing all the time. I mean, what we did a year ago is different than what we do today. Influencer marketing is changing. Social platforms are changing. I mean, who's on Clubhouse? I just joined yesterday. So um I mean, it, it's kind of a learn as you go type of thing, which in the variety category, like I said, is awesome. I mean, I like the variety, but I want everybody to be learning. And I also invest in education. So for people to take time to go to a webinar, you know, some companies might be like, yeah, we're not going to let you do that. You need to go do it on your own time. Well, we allow for time for that at Marketing Maven and also you know, in the past when it was safe to travel, um, have sent people to conferences and have had people go do speaking opportunities and listen to speakers. And, you know, PRSA is a good example of that locally, but we've done this also on the national level. So um, that's a big leadership commitment is education. So, you know, people are looking at getting certificates right now. Like there's a Harvard certificate program that I'm looking at doing through one, one of my women presidents organization groups. So, you know, but I, it, it's for me too. Great. So um, I know we kind of mentioned this um, with like the pandemic, what challenges have come out of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and have there been any benefits to it um, or how are you guys kind of adapting to that? I'll tell you last March and April were crazy um, because not all industries are the same in terms of how they can recover from a pandemic um, and shutdowns. And we do have clients that are international. Probably about 30% of our client base is international. So a lot of our international clients that would travel here haven't been able to travel here. Some are manufacturers. So there have been supply chain issues. Um, so one of our clients had steel as part of a part of their product. And so they were not able to get the steel to manufacture their product. Therefore, they could not sell it. We have other clients that, you know, one was selling product on, I mean, we have lots that sell product on Amazon, but this one in particular was listed as a non-essential item. So Amazon wouldn't even ship out their products when we got the orders. Um, so there have been a a huge amount of, uh, well, there's a huge amount of disruption, but also with disruption comes opportunity. So we quickly, as those are like, quit, we can't do anything. Like, you know, my business is frozen. Like, what do I do? You know, those, some of them did have to stop where they were. Some of them we've helped to pivot like, Hey, 
you could talk for a technology company, you know, that's doing um, enterprise security. Now everybody is at home. People are remote. There's more opportunity for hackers to go in and, you know, for cybercrime to happen. So their business has been booming. So with a company like that, we're able to talk about, you know, what should businesses do and how should you educate employees to, you know, check for the phishing emails and do this type of thing. So that is one example of a pivot. And then there was another flood that came to us of healthcare related businesses. So um, different monitoring for hospitals and different uh, resources for restaurant owners and, um, you know, the custodial technicians that are in the hospitals, um, really making sure that the environment is clean for doctors and nurses and patients. So it's been such a mixed bag, which, you know, in the variety category was probably more variety than I was looking for. Um, but it, it's it's been, uh, you know, filled with opportunities and you know, I, I'm also a, a new mom too. So that's been great for me. That's one of the silver linings is I've been able to be home um, and not be traveling a hundred thousand miles. Um, so that has personally been a benefit to me and to be able to go remote with our staff and have people produce such good work consistently has been the biggest blessing for me because that's my biggest fear as a business owner is like, oh no, everybody's separated. And what if we just crumble in this case? And we we didn't. And we we did a practice round too, actually. We we did a practice remote thing. And the day that we were going to practice actually being remote was the day that Governor Newsom said, you are forced to be remote. And we're like, perfect. That's the day that we had already planned on. And everybody already had their laptops. People had already downloaded all the apps. We already did some dry run-throughs. And like, that was the day that we had already planned on. So that was just like a blessing that dropped in our lap. So as much as it could have been. Yeah. So um, what has been the most exciting project you've worked on or uh, just anything in general in your career uh, for the both of you? Heather, you can go first. Oh, um, that's so hard because there are so many with with marketing maven. That's like the one thing that I really love is um, some agencies and this works for other people. Some agencies, they'll be like, oh, this is your niche. Like you only handle cosmetic clients that we bring in. Right. Uh, but with marketing maven, like I've had the opportunity to work with like um, like a cosmetics brand, a B2B brand a this or that. Um the one like big highlight of my career is definitely like CES and getting to go and handle PR there. Um, that's like a big thing. Even too, there was another conference um, called Super Zoo. It's like it was for a pet client, um, but that was probably like three months into my like hiring date, three or four months into my hiring date. Um, and just getting the chance to go and do that and get the experience of wrangling together media, like emailing them beforehand saying you have to get to this booth by this time. And then trying to like, be like, okay, here's the story. Here's your interview. Here's that. Um, those projects are my absolute favorite to work on. Um, it's really more, I view it more as like event marketing. Like you're thinking about like a time and place. And with Kalu, I did event planning. Uh, so I got that idea of like, okay, how do you do prep work? How do you do it during the time? And how do you, um, review your results afterwards? I think that's that's the other piece that I personally like. I don't think all PR f- professionals like this, but I really look at like 
looking at the numbers post. Um, so if you do a campaign for PR, getting to sit there and look at metrics and be like, oh, I brought this percentage of brand awareness and that many media placements and it had this many eyes on it. Um, so getting to do those projects are probably definitely my favorite. And that's with all clients. Like we, the way that PR is moving now is a lot more metric based. So you're able to say what metrics you will hit with your PR. Um, so being really comfortable with like data and learning like how to put that together in a presentable form for a client is really important as well. Um, one of my favorite experiences, they all, most of them typically have to do with travel. Um, but one most memorable one is we, um, did, we worked actually with the Royal uh, Norwegian Consul General. Um, so we did a Norwegian design tour uh, where we took Ty Pennington to uh, Norway and got to fly in helicopters and climb up to the top of a fjord. And we wore these huge, uh, like, huge, huge dry suits and floated down a river uh, with this huge... Uh, like a, you know, you, it's tight on your neck, so no water gets in, but um, you had snorkel and mask and you get to see a salmon there. It's called a salmon safari, uh, rode on these cool Zodiac boats. And like, this is the type of stuff where it's like the, such a expensive trip. Like I would never do that myself personally, but like the fact that I was able to call these people, you know, this is one of the things like come into the office, call these people at two o'clock in the morning and say, hi, it's Lindsay from Los Angeles. And I'm representing a celebrity and we want to do a tour with you. And, you know, we went to all these furniture manufacturers and the goal was to help this um, Norwegian uh, government entity with the export of furniture from Norway to the U.S. And that was the goal of the campaign. And, you know, from Access Hollywood interviews to front page in, in the main national newspaper in Norway to television and the opera house and visiting the top architects. And they, they developed out the World War or the 9-11 uh, the, the Memorial um, that's in New York City. You know, same architects, Nahuta. Um, like that type of experience was amazing. And, you know, it didn't exist as a concept until I invented it and actually picked up the phone and called the people and then created the itinerary and then, you know, did all this coordination for all of these people. And so like to Heather's point, you know, that in itself is like, you know, you're the travel planner, you're the, you know, book the flights and, you know, get the charter bus and, you know, got the charter bus donated, got the hotels and did hotel tours and culinary things of the best restaurants to go to. And like that just, you know, to, to sit up in the, in a helicopter and, you know, go over fjords in Norway and be like, yes, I dreamed this up. And yes, this happened. Cause like this came from here. It's like really cool stuff. Wow. That's really awesome. Um, so kind of wrapping up, um, what advice do you guys have for someone trying to enter the public relations, marketing, or commu communication uh, field? Heather, you can go first. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, I would say 
From my experience, I mean, one of the things I would say is having that attitude of not being afraid to fail. I think that's like the number one thing I learned from Lindsay, particularly, like even in my interview process was, you know, when you're sitting there, like as a PR person and you're trying to be interviewed, you're like, okay, I have to put all this up in front and I have to be all, you know, professional, like how you would with a media outlet. Um, But really in reality, like in agencies and in PR, like they just want to get to like, if you think about journalists, you just want to get to the truth, like the who, what, when, where, and why. Um, And so being able to be like, okay, like, what do you want to do? And just being able to say like what you want to say and not being afraid to like fail in that statement um, would be my biggest thing. It was a, a learning, growing comfort for me that I feel like I've been adapting a lot more. Um, but even too, with that, like your creative ideas, right? So if you are looking at, you know, not being afraid to say like, oh, hey, I saw this in the news. They should have done this, this, and this campaign. Like, wouldn't it be cool if it was with this, like what Lindsay was talking about? Like, oh, if I got a charter bus and I matched up this helicopter company with travel writers to this hotel, you've made a whole campaign. Um, And being able to showcase that you can do that creatively, like if you fail in certain pieces, that's why with Marketing Maven, like you have that team, like there's someone else there to be like, okay, let's just pick it up. Like, let's just move on. Um, But you have to be okay with kind of having that conversation um, with your team. And, you know, especially out of college, I know it can be incredibly terrifying. Um, I bet it's even more scarier with like the pandemic and things are remote. I remember going into like my senior year and it was just like, March and everyone's like, Oh, what are you doing? How's it going? And it's like, I'm maybe just possibly getting like one interview this month. Um, and so you're like terrified. Um, but just not being afraid to like put yourself out there, not being afraid to fail and being able to comfortably explain like creative ideas. Yeah, I definitely echo the creativity part. Um, that's something and just be honest. I mean, humility goes a long way. I know that everybody trains you and, okay, you need to say this in the interview thing, but like I can sniff that thing out from a mile away. So, and I'll call you on it too. Heather knows I'm like, okay, so are you actually trying to say this? And she's like, well, kind of, yeah. So, so just be blunt. I mean, be professional, but you can just say like, I feel like I need some work in this. So this is why I want to do the internship to build my skills in this area. Like if you were already a professional in it, you'd have a job and you would be thriving in your job in it. So, you know, everybody knows like you're in your learning phase. We're all in our learning phase all the time to my point about growth, growth mindset. But I think just to be, um, transparent transparency goes a long way um to say like this is what i've studied you know i think i need to brush up on this or i think i you know don't have this type of experience i really want to get it because i my end goal is to do this like your end goal doesn't have to be that you want to work here like i don't expect you to say that i you know if you have other aspirations like our goal is to help you get there and you know for you to learn learn along the way so um I think just to, you should be a good writer. Um, You should also um, know AP format, you know? So I remember, you know, oh my gosh, they marked me down on this comma. Oh my gosh, they marked me down on this, this thing and that thing. And like, it's all for a good cause because that is definitely an expectation. Like 
to no AP writing, no AP format, um, and be coachable. So the biggest thing with just being coachable, if you're defensive, it's not going to go very well. Um, I think, you know, I, I think I was defensive early in my career. Um, I think I've become less defensive, uh, later in my career. Um, but I think that is a goal. I know back to the soccer thing again is, you know, coachability goes a really long way. And if somebody is giving you feedback, it means that they care enough to tell you about it. Otherwise they just let you fall flat on your face and fail. So, you know, I think just to remember if somebody is giving me feedback, it's because they care about me. Um, even though it might not be feedback that you agree with or feedback that you want to hear, you have to take it in and try and put yourself in their shoes and, and try and understand it. Cause we get feedback from our clients all the time. Like Heather said, well, how come I can't do this? And how come I can't do that? And you're like, okay, well, let me explain the process. So, you know, the feedback part is definitely coachability and, you know, that that's a key point. Just to really hit the nail on the head there, when Lindsay says be a good writer, I like she like really NPR. Like I didn't think when I was thinking about press secretary work, right? I'm like, oh, you just like read a script and you talk about this and blah, 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 blah. And like Allison would know too. I say all the time, I'm like, I'm not a good writer. Like I know I'm not a good writer, but that's where that feedback and coachability, like I told Lindsay that first time, I was like, listen, I can do AP format. I will make sure that I do it. Do I think I'm great at it? No, but I want to be able to be great at it. So being able to sit there and be like, yes, absolutely. Coach me, give me feedback. Even if it's just like red lines, like you got to learn to be comfortable with those red lines. I know like for professors, they're like, oh, like we're not going to like cross them out or whatever. Like, cause they're trying to be nice in your feedback, but that's not how it works at work. You get, you get papers on your desk that are printed out. Lindsay does this all the time. So it's just a funny story to me. It's like, you get a stack of papers. It's either like a contract and it's like highlighted or it's like a press release. And it's, even though you wrote the press release on the computer, it will be printed out and it will have hand notes on it. And it's mm-hmm. like red lines through it notes over here. And you just have to be okay to move forward with it. Yeah. So now I guess we'll open it up to, and if anyone has any additional questions they want to ask. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for, for again, just coming out tonight. Um, You had mentioned Lindsay, that there was a lot of soft skills that you needed in PR. Um, And I was kind of just wondering if you could go into that a little bit more. And then also like what kind of trends and things do you think that we should really be following right now? Mm -hmm. And just like learn more about, now while we're in school? Yeah, really good question. So soft skills would include eye contact, would include, I mean, this used to be a thing. I don't think it's going to be a thing for a very long time, but like a handshake, you know, like some people have noodle handshakes, um, which is a big turnoff for clients. Um, So just like even your posture and the ability to be paying attention fully. I mean, this is a huge thing on Zoom right now for us to be multitasking. Um, And so if a client's speaking to you, then you have to be listening 100% or taking notes or whatever. Like you should not be checking emails, should not be looking at a Instagram feed, whatever. It's really easy for somebody to see where your eyes are at and see if you actually are paying attention or not. Um, And this is a huge thing right now um, just for clients to feel like they're heard too, because, you know, when we are in person, it would be like, okay, how do you present yourself in terms of like, 
going to a client lunch and like, are you chewing with your mouth open? Are you like, you know, are you cussing? Are you um, really soft-spoken and not assertive? Or you have a good command presence? Are you, you know, what, how are you interacting? So I think this is something that you know, just to even role play with a colleague. I, I mean, that could be a really great thing to do in a PRSA um, topic or even just saying, you know, Heather, introduce yourself. And then Heather has to give her pitch and relate it to that specific industry. We do this all the time. Like, Heather, what's your travel pitch? You know, Heather, what's your, you know, pet pitch? Heather, what's your business to business pitch? And then what's your government pitch? And then like, oh, I'm... Heather, I worked on blah, 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 blah. These were some of my really big wins. So I think just to know your elevator pitch really well and know how to interact, whether it be virtually or in person is a huge thing for those soft skills. Um, and in terms of trends, people want to know about trends that impact them. Why? Because we're human. It's me, 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 me. So if they are in the technology industry you should probably know, you know, what Elon Musk is doing. And you should probably know that, you know, cybersecurity businesses are having this new pivot with uh, these enterprise level businesses that are at home now. And if you're in the supplement industry, you should probably know that, you know, the FDA just, you know, said something about vitamin D. Um, and so you should know the headlines of whatever industry it is that you're servicing. And if you have 12 clients like Heather does, you should know 12 random facts about these different industries. And hopefully some of them are in the same industry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cause there's just so, there's a lot of different trends and like so many different genres of things and sectors of all these other types of companies and stuff. So it's kind of hard to follow all the time. Um, but I guess just keeping it simple and just looking at the main top yeah, I have one more thing too, just on that note, would be also the type of platforms too. Like Heather is great on Trello. We have one client who really, really wants us to be, she just got a really great complimentary email today from the client. Like, I just want to give kudos to Heather with her Trello skills. It's phenomenal. You know, so Trello is one. And then we use Asana and then we're using Slack and then we're using, you know, this other platform for this other client. So I think just having that knowledge of those different platforms is really important in terms of trends. So what are project management tools? And then to Heather's earlier point too, with reporting, what are we reporting? You know, do you have a Google Analytics certificate? If not, that would be a great thing that you could do right now, like get started on getting a Google Analytics certificate. I would give priority to a person with a Google Analytics certificate over anybody else who didn't have it. So then you actually look know how to look at the numbers on the back end of a website and say, to Heather's earlier point, well, this referral traffic came from our media coverage and I was uh, able to impact this and boom, here's the proof. Mic drop. Is there any more questions or? Um, I had a question. Um, well, thank you for um, speaking with us today. I really enjoyed like hearing your guys' experiences um, within the industry. And I just had a question a little bit about marketing and how kind of your day-to-day -day tasks um, can go hand-in-hand -hand with uh, marketing and the social media and digital side of it um, as well. I think Heather might know. 
Yeah. I mean, Lindsay oversees all of it, but I can speak more to like the, the, the day-to-day kind of thing. I would say um, in terms of an agency, even if you're in-house, you should be really connective with like all of the things. Um, if you think about kind of what a brand manager is, right? They're the ones looking at overall, what is the messaging points that this brand wants to speak out to? Um, and so you're thinking about any external communication. And then if you think about that, that has to relate to PR. So what stories are we putting out? Who's, whose name do we want to be putting out there? How does that relate back to the brand that we are speaking to? Um, and where does that make the biggest impact? So if that's their, if, it, if their target audience is 45 plus white males, why am I going to try to get a public relation, like a, a media placement in Cosmo? It might be the right story, but it does not hit the right target. Um, So you need to be able to think about all of those pieces. um, And that's where marketing comes in is like, right, you're taking in all of that information of what makes the brand marketable and profitable, and then making sure PR wise it is executed correctly. Uh, And then how it relates to social media is same concept, same idea, Uh, any external communication. So if you get a PR placement, you can put that on social media. Like people think like, oh, you can't link back to Instagram, but you can still put a good PR placement on social media. Um, Also same, if you can think of it opposite wise too, if you get a really viral, like good organic social media, um, like post or video, you're going to want to utilize that when you send it to journalists or media. Um, so that you can refer back to the social channels. And nowadays, in terms of journalists, and if you think about influencer marketing, they're going to be looking up, like journalists are going to look up your website for any kind of brand, whether it's agency or in-house. And so they'll look at those social channels as well. They want to see like, is this a brand new kind of company? If you think about it in terms of like a fashion or cosmetics, you know, if I'm talking to, um, like L women, right? Um, They're going to want to look up that cosmetics company and make sure this isn't some like random fluke that if they decide to put on their online media, they're not going to have to pull it a month later because you went out of business or something. Um, So you want to be able to build up those social channels, build up the marketing, and then utilize it in PR effectively. And that's kind of day-to-day why you need to be talking to someone that's handling social or marketing or brand messaging or PR. Thank you so much. I had another question just to add, talking a little bit about like influencer marketing and like the rise of that in recent years, how how that works out. Um, yeah, I mean, we're the th- the funny thing about marketing, Maven, is we're always ahead of the curve. So um, we've been doing influencer marketing for quite a few years now, but it's all a matter of like, when people say, yes, I would like to spend money to do that with you. So we have had more and more clients do influencer marketing with us. Um, this chair right here is called the X chair. And um, this is a campaign that Heather works on. Um, this is one that we have segmented out uh, really interesting types of influencers of like business and technology and uh, home improvement and uh, even like entertainment or uh motocross or um, just different industries are pretty fun that way. Um, So we are doing influencer marketing in terms of finding micro influencers 
reaching out to them, negotiating rates, getting a formal contract in place, um, making sure that our clients have worldwide rights in perpetuity, making sure that the uh, influencers have all of the necessary uh, Federal Trade Commission disclosures in the uh, content like hashtag sponsored or hashtag advertisement. That's very important for disclosure purposes uh, to protect the brand and also to protect the influencer. We get that locked in and then um, we get a draft of their content. And, and there are three to five key message points per product, per contract um, that, that we're outlining in there for the influencers. So it's up to them like what they want to do. There's a really funny guy named Wade who, you know, talked about all the funny things that people are doing on social media, like ice bucket challenge and he dumps the ice bucket over his head. And then he, you know, does a flip the bottle and it, it lands on the ground. And then he like keeps pouring his coffee and it pours over his, over all over his counter. And then he takes an ice cream cone and smashes it in his face and it just catches people's attention. But for influencer marketing, it's not, it doesn't just stop there uh, in terms of them posting it organically. It's really about what happens next. And what happens next is the advertising part of it, the amplification. And this is what our team is doing on social media advertising is actually taking the best influencer content cutting it down, getting um, call to action content around it, and then scheduling social media uh, paid posts, like actual advertisements for conversion ads, and then driving sales for our clients. So that's really where the sweet spot is in influencer marketing. Um, there are some influencer agents that you can work with. They have their pros and cons, um, but we like working with micro influencers we like having contracts with our influencers and then we like uh, owning, having our client own the content so then we can amplify it and then measure conversions. I would say too, with influencer marketing and kind of like the rise to it, um, just because I, I, I work a lot with the influencers as well. Uh, so the thing I would say about that is if you think about uh, like back in the day, like journalists, like when they had columns or um, even I remember going to high school and it's um, I can't even remember his name now, but it was like the the radio show where it was like someone's roses or something. And they Ryan's roses. Up. Thank you. OK, I was like, I thought it was Ryan, but I couldn't remember. Um, but if you think about like, for example, Ryan's roses, like those are kind of like journalistic features. Right. If you think about PR and it's like core value, you're thinking about people are the journalists sharing the story and people relate to it because you hear the message on a day to day basis. Right. You learn to love that person. You'd be driving and you remember, oh, this time as Ryan's roses with influencers. It's moved that concept away from like newspapers or magazines and put it onto the platforms of social media that we think of. If you think about some, like I have an influencer that I follow, um, Libby Christensen. She works with like Alani new and Gymshark and like all of those like fitnessy brands. But I know every morning at 9am, she's going to share a recommendation to something in the fitness space. And I, even though I know what it will probably be, I'm still going to go and look at her story at 9am because I care about what she's saying. And I care about what the product is um, because it's someone that I really value and I want to hear that message on a day to day. So I think if you think of influencers that way, um, if you start working with influencers like in an internship or 
I know like Allison, like you were, you actually did some research for XShare. I remember, cause you would be like, oh, this interior design and this and that, like, that's really cool because then you get to think of it in a way that actually affects you or things that affect like the, the social media that you're following. I just have a super quick like follow-up question to um, kind of both of those things, but like with influencers and I guess just like your clients in general, is it uh, like, what is the process of like reaching out to them? Like, how do you get their attention or like, how does that process work? <laughs> um, I would, yeah, I would say um, you want it to be simple, right? Like you want to like send an email. So like, uh, Sometimes you can see on their bio, they'll be like business inquiries below. If you look at those, that's a good starting point. Um, But I would not say that is the end all be all. Really, it is like same thing. Same thing with journalists, which I'll explain in a minute, but it really is like DMing them, making sure that you know what their content looks like. And when you're presenting an influencer partnership, it needs to relate to their feed. While we're going to take the content and amplify it, and that's where we'll get the real results, nobody wants a feed where it's like a random post that doesn't make sense at all. It needs to still match with their content. So you really need to, that research side of things is making sure like, okay, if I saw this on their feed, it would not be abnormal. Um, And so making sure that you know their content inside and out, you follow it, you you are able to speak to it, give a, a unique and personalized reason, DMing, move it over to email because that's where like real contracts should be handled. You should be handling that like email and phone. Um, and then nowadays I'll try to have like a Zoom meeting where once I kind of talk about the contract, I can talk about what that creatively looks like. And so that we make sure that what we're talking about personalization really does fit with their feed. And there's minimal edits as well. Um, once you turn it back to the client, you don't want to get like a content and then the influencer has to do a 180. Um, cause that's not going to make your client happy. That's not going to make the influencer happy. So you want to make sure like nowadays I'll try to set up a zoom meeting and just kind of chat through what are we thinking? Brainstorming, like, you know, Oh, you turn in the chair. Okay. Could you do this in the chair? Um, and things like that. <laughs> Um, I actually did have one more question. So I know you guys mentioned you have a wide variety of clients. So I was curious, what do you look for in a client when you want to bring them on? Uh, they have to have a good story. So um, I, I think, I mean, I talked to one this morning that is, a, you know, an invoicing company and, and that one, you know, the person was like, it's so boring. And I'm like, no, this is actually a really great story because you're helping so many small business owners. So you have, uh, you know, we have our connections through the, you know, National Women's Business Council or SCORE or SBDC or a Women Presidents Organization. And like, how great is it if you can take some of your um, people that are benefiting, some of your customers who are benefiting from these branded invoices, and then you can talk about them with the media of, you know, being able to help them. And what if you can highlight how your, you know, your co-CEOs founded this company and they self-funded it? That's a perfect story for Forbes or for Entrepreneur or Fast Company. Like, how did you just increase your business so much in uh, the middle of a pandemic? This is incredible. So um, they have to have something that's a hook, like, timely, quirky, hard news, personality involved or local. So those are kind of the five things that I look for that if they, you know, tell me, I kind of interview them when I first have a conversation to see like, okay, well, 
are they going to be a good personality fit for us? Do they have realistic expectations? You know, are they a company that we align with? Um, do they match up with our core values? If all the answers to those are yes, then, you know, what are we actually going to do for them? Do they need help with social media marketing or influencer marketing or PR or market research? Um, there are a lot of different areas that we play and we might start off just doing market research for a company, doing deep dive, web crawling, you know, competitive analysis, a more of like a SWOT exercise. If you remember like principles of marketing, um, doing a SWOT analysis. So we do SWOT analyses like, you know, like you drink coffee, I guess. And so uh, we're doing those type of deep dive market research. Then we're coming back with marketing strategies like, all right, you could go this route or this route or this route or this route. We think this route's a good fit for you. And here's phase one, phase two, phase three. And so um, what somebody thinks that they want when they sign on with us might not be what they actually really want. They might not be communicating it well. So we help them figure out what is actually going to be the most beneficial for your brand. Because we have some people that are like, yeah, I want to sell my company. But right now I want to get, you know, these social media posts and we're like, well, if you want to sell your company, you should be in Forbes, you should be in all these investment type media. And so there are different marketing approaches that if we know what the goal is, like for one company, they want to get Wikipedia coverage, you know, to be able to be able to have good profiles and, you know, you need third party editorial endorsement for that. So that's kind of how it works. Um based on whoever comes through the door. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's mm -hmm. uh, really cool to hear how you break that down and really analyze that before bringing on a new client. Yeah. I mean, if there's somebody that we can't help, I'll tell them, well, you should go talk to these people. So <laughs> um, are we all good with questions? Okay. <laughs> Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up. It was so nice talking with you guys and just learning more about your company and your work and, um, just the way you guys have been growing that way. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys for taking time out of your day. I know it's super busy. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode featuring Heather Wilson-Hooker and Lindsay Carnett from public relations marketing agency, Marketing Maven. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CLUPRSSI for podcast updates and other opportunities. For exclusive access to these live interviews, become a member with PRSSI at your university. Mm -hmm.